What I want, peeps, what I want. We're reading. In the meantime, finding yourself and the love you want. And we're on chapter 12. And chapter 12 is called Rearrange the Furniture. So, Stella spent seven years in a relationship with Matt. At the end of the seven years, she was a single mother of two who, like so many others, had spent a few good years in a relationship with a pretty decent man. When Matt left, Stella dedicated her life to raising the children. She was a firm believer that if you raise a child right, you will not have to fix an adult. She was determined to give them her best. In the process of doing of doing do, she never let another man in her life. At the time they separated, Stella was still young. She told herself that she didn't want to set a bad example for her children by having various men running in and out of her life. Why she thought she couldn't find just one mate and settle down, I can't tell you. Why she thought she had to bring everybody home to spend the night is a mystery to me. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Why she thought she couldn't find just one mate and settle down, I can't tell you. Why she thought she had to bring everybody home to spend the night is a mystery to me. Where she was when the second floor lesson of expectations equals results was being taught, I cannot tell you. But neither you nor I have to know these things. Stella does. The truth of the matter is that Stella was angry. She went to church angry. She went to the single mother support group angry. She was very active in her children's lives, although she was angry. She became totally immersed in the cares and welfare of her children as a clever disguise that allowed her to deny her anger. In the meantime, she was also denying herself the pleasure, joy and companionship of a relationship that she really wanted but was afraid she could not have. Children don't actually actually make good husbands or wives. They are okay companions, but there are some parts of a loving relationship that children cannot provide. Stella made her children her mate and her companions. And while she learned a lot about unconditional love and patience, she didn't learn enough to dispel the anger she had been carrying for so long. It was a long time, which passed very quickly. Before Stella realised that her children were t- teenagers, a young woman was calling for her son. Well, he was 17. He was getting ready for college. He was a good kid who got good grades and never gave his mother a moment of trouble. Yet for some reason, Stella was very uncomfortable with her son's new love interest. An uncomfortable mother can make your life quite difficult. She really didn't mean to, but she does. Stella began to monitor her son's movements very closely. This included restrictions on the weekends, imposing curfews during the week, and monitoring, that's right, monitoring his telephone calls. 15 minutes a day, that was it. If you exceed your 15 minutes today, it would be deducted from tomorrow's 15 minutes. You see what I mean? She was very uncomfortable. Such a good son he was. He put up with it only because he really loved and respected his mother. At least he did until she refused to let him go away on a fully chaperoned ski trip. Is that girl going? Yes. Well, then you can't go. Even a good son with good grades can reach his limit. This 17-year-old who had one foot out of his mother's door and in the college door had reached his 
you're just mad because I have somebody and you don't. That's why you haven't been on a date in 10 years. That's why you don't make yourself up or go out. That's why you consume your life with me and I'm not going to be here and you will be alone. On the third floor, the truth will come as you from come at you from the most unlikely sources. It will jump up you in your face, shake its finger at you and put all of your business in the street. If you've been in denial of the truth, it will cut its way straight through your stuff and sting you so hard you will want to strike out, but you will be unable to. You may even try to respond with something like, don't you dare raise your voice at me. That's weak and it will not stop the truth from coming at you. You're just jealous of our relationship with daddy. You want us to hate him like you hate him. You are mad because he has a new life and a new wife. Even when he tries to be your friend, you won't let him. If you don't stop being mad at him, you are going to lose me the same way you lost him. I'm sorry, but she asks for it. Children are so clear, so perceptive. They can see right through you like an x-ray machine. They know what you do and sometimes why you do it. Stella had raised her children to be independent thinkers. She liked them about she liked that about them. She had raised them not to, to challenge authority but to speak their truth when those in authority were violent, violating principles and integrity. She was proud of that in her children. What she did not realise was that everything she taught them to apply to the world also applied to her. She had never spoken an ill word about their father, but she was engaged in a silent tug of war for their affection. Whenever the children went to visit him, they returned with all kinds of gifts and what Stella considered frivolous things that she could not provide for them. Remote control cars, designer jeans, stereos and so forth. She thought he was buying their love while she was working hard to build a home for them. Whenever it was something important, Dad would show up. He would say the word and the children would scramble. Every time he did, Stella would get angry all over again that he had left her for a younger woman. Deep down inside, Stella was somewhat happy that they had a loving relationship with him. He had always supported them financially, although sp sporadically at first. The moment, however, he got himself and his life together with, with that woman, Stella never had to call for the cheque. The truth of the matter is that Stella was trying to punish him for leaving her. She had decided that by leaving her with two children, he had ruined her life. For that, she determined he needed to be punished. Each time he saw her, how hard she worked, how dedicated she was, how her life was absolutely centred on the children, she prayed that he would feel guilty. Apparently, he didn't. What you give, you get. When you live on the third floor of a love's house, you will get it so quickly you will have no choice but to accept full and total responsibility for yourself and your actions. You no longer have the privilege of being able to blame, hide stuff or avoid. The spotlight is on you. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. You are trying to remember your lines, the lines you want to follow from this point on in your life. You know you are being watched and you want to get it right forget right you are in the meantime even in a third floor meantime nothing is right and everything is all right even though it looks all wrong you've got a little more moving to do just a wee bit more cleaning 
more important you are ready to reassess whether you still want what you once thought you wanted this is all third for behavior allowing your stuff to come to light so that you can make the necessarily shifts lovingly so why do i do what i do we have been taught that it is our job in life to go out and find the perfect partner when in fact our job is to find the perfection in ourselves because i did not know just how perfect i was my fear was that people were going to bail out on me I thought that if I opened my heart to them, they would take what they wanted and bail out. Though the many experiences I had had, had in all kinds of relationships, I've learned that people don't just bail out. They must have a reason to bail out. If they don't have a valid reason, they will manufacture one just to get out, to get out of the way of love. There was a part of me, a part of my own psyche that said, if you give people everything they want, they won't leave you just like your mother did. When I tried it, I became a mindless people pleaser, avoiding the pain of having people bail out. I did whatever I thought it was it would take to keep them with me, never ne near me. Eventually, I got on their nerves and they bailed out anyway. I thought it was love. They thought it was suffocation. In the end, I got rejected or left. They got to... They got to escape the grasp of, of my needs, cleverly disguised as love. Some people jump into the relationship arena, pass goal, collect the 200 bucks and are never seen or heard from again. Then there are those of us who have been engaged 18 times and have never met it, made it to the altar. There are also those of us who have done our spiritual work, who have created a purposeful, meaningful life, through who have waded through the stuff, cleaned it up and still couldn't find an, or maintain a loving committed relationship there are no guarantees there are no guarantees that at the end of the day after all of the work you have done you are either going to get a partner have a relationship or save the relationship you are in the thing about the third floor is that those concerns are no longer critical for you Having a relationship or being in love is no longer a critical or key aspect of living. This does not mean you do not want a relationship. It means you will not lose sleep over not having one. What's crucial for you on the third floor is healing yourself in order to serve and support as many people as you can in any way that you can. You have shifted out of the basement's physical attraction, needy, clingy, I gotta have you. Oh, baby, baby stuff in love is there, is there all the time. Love is what I am. Love is what I give. Love is what I receive. You see everything as love. You see money as love. You see compliments as love. You see people as love. On the third floor, what you are working towards is how to deal with every situation that comes up until you really find that one partnership that makes you more than you already are. Here is the major mistake we sometimes make. We think that we can pray and meditate so long and so hard that God will send somebody to love us. You cannot move towards finding yourself, love yourself, just for the sake of finding and loving someone else. You must do it for the sake of doing it. You must love, honour and respect you for the sake of it. No strings attached. This would have made absolutely no sense to you anywhere but on the third floor. At the lower levels, you were still dealing with too much stuff. Now you are ready, ready to make the shift from conditional love to unconditional love. 
You are now ready to be with yourself rather than by yourself. You have been through a meantime process in which you have become self-aware and self-reflective in order to make the necessary changes or shifts that will result in spiritual transformation. You are no longer in search of physical, emotional or sexual satisfaction only. You want the true, full experience of love. If this is what you are looking for, this is what you will get. Interesting. So, practice makes perfect. If it's one thing to study spirituality out of a book or to be in a learning experience where you are being supported, where the teacher is there telling you what to do and how to do it. In a learning environment, everybody in the room has the same goal, the same mindset. This is the beauty of being in a learning ex- environment. But why do we gather information? Why do we want to learn? We learn so that we can go out and put what we know into practice. We're not going to practice in the classroom. That is a false environment. In the classroom, you develop the skill. In the world, you home the skill. In the outside world where people can't even spell the thing you've just studied, you are going to do more than learn theory. In the world, you are going to deal with people who have no idea what you are talking about. Does this mean that your your information is faulty? Is it an an accurate indication that the theories don't work? Absolutely not. It means that you must continue on the journey, but in practice, all that you have learned, but put into practice all that you have learned. Eventually, you will find yourself in a community or, or an experience where everybody wants to know what you know, or where everybody knows what you know and is willing to help you facilitate further growth in it. How can you take what you have learned about love and loving and apply it to every area of your life? You must be willing to meet resistance with love. This is how you will hone your skills. Find your center and stay grounded in it. Do not try to convert others to your way of thinking. When you find that you are the only person in a room who thinks the way you think, it doesn't mean that there is something wrong with what you do and how you do it. It means that every time you meet resistance, you have an opportunity to strengthen another love muscle. Don't doubt yourself. Don't question yourself. Know that the resistance is going to come up at different levels with different characters. Every time you face resistance, it will evoke different feelings. Those feelings are the development of your stamina. One day, very soon, the only feeling any experience will evoke in the opportunity to share, spread, give or receive love. So suddenly it just happened. Ralph, who is in his middle 50s, has been divorced for 25 years. During that time, he had had several long relationships that have all ended amicably and he is still friends with every partner he he has had. I mean, they go out to dinner, send birthday cards back and forth, stop by the house at Christmas and all of the rest. He has two children from relationships that he had had when he wasn't married. He knows his children have participated fully to the best of his ability in their lives. He has not always been the greatest financial support to them, but they never made a serious move without discussing it with him, their pop, without discussing it with, with their pop. Ralph and his daughter had a fabulous relationship. They are really, truly friends, but then Ralph had many friends. There is no place you can go in the country where somebody doesn't know Ralph. 
I did a, do you know what? I know I shouldn't say this, but I, I did a tarot reading that was talking about Papa was a rolling stone. But anyway, not only do they know him, you would hardly hear anyone. Not one single person say one derogatory word about this man. All he does is love and serve people. It doesn't matter who you are. If there is another Ralph, can if 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 anything Ralph can do to help, he will do it willingly and gladly with no strings attached. Anytime you call, anytime you need him, anything you need, there he was. He will give it to you. He does not do it to his detriment either. If he doesn't have it, he doesn't hesitate to say, I don't have it now, but I'll have it by this date. Can you wait? This man is total, complete, unconditional love with a name and two legs. I hate to go on and on about him, but I really want to give you a picture of what third floor loving looks like. If Ralph comes across something he thinks you would like or that would be interesting to you, he'll buy it and send it to you in the mail. We have a friend who has misplaced her teenage daughter once. She had no idea where the girl was, but no means to get to the place. Let me say that again. She had an idea where the girl was, but no means to get to the place. I called Ralph. I asked him to try and get in touch with the young woman. He jumped in his car without a second's thought. He didn't find her, but the effort was there. As a result of his ability to love, everything Ralph needs comes to him in the perfect way. On the third floor of Love's house, you become a teacher. Ralph is a teacher. He teaches others by the way he responds to his experiences. He uses love to demonstrate that all things can come together for the good of everyone involved. This is probably the reason he has had several female friends who were potential partners, but with whom he chose not to get involved. He could have, but he didn't. He chose not to take himself through the process of trying to make it work romantically when he was very clear that it was not his goal. How did he get so clear? He did a thorough job of cleaning the house on the way to the, to the attic. He cleaned away urgency, need and attachment to his way, his way. He learned patience and total trust in the process of life. He learned to listen to his body and honour what he felt without making excuses and without avoiding what he knew was necessary for him to do or say at any time. He had a job once where his supervisor treated him like an indentured servant. She lived a step below the basement. She behaved wickedly. You notice I did not say she was wicked, just that she behaved that way. She was, however, very insecure and threatened by everyone and everything. Ralph did everything in his power to make her feel comfortable. Whatever she demanded of him, he did it without feeling bad. He would always say, whatever the lesson is here, I'm going to get it. No matter what she did, she turned the, he turned the other cheek with no anger and no resentment. Sometimes I would listen to him in horror. Then when I met the woman, I knew she needed to be slapped. Now I know that it is not very spiritual, but we all have our human moments. Ralph had no malice. He kept saying, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the lesson. When you pour love into something, it is going to bring up everything that is unloving. When you put peace into the mix, it is going to magnify everything that is not peaceful. She couldn't take it. She could not take Ralph's sunny disposition and the love he poured into his work or onto her. 
When she had taken all she could take, she found a reason to terminate him. It was a flimsy reason, one that would never have survived even the most minute the, the most minute challenge, but Ralph decided not to fight. He said, it's June, I'll take the summer off. I'm sure something will turn up by the fall. Two weeks after Ralph was hired, fired, the supervisor happened to mention to somebody that she had dismissed Ralph and she gave the reason. The person immediately said, that's not true. This is not what happened. This is what happened. That person, the person who knew the truth, contacted Ralph, hired him and almost doubled his salary. In the meantime, he was not required to begin work until the fall. The lesson is that there are people who will dump their stuff all over you. You cannot allow it to alter who you are or what you do. If you know who you are, a little discomfort should not frighten you or disturb you. Just keep loving yourself and everyone else. I think it's only fair to mention that in the meantime, when while Ramph was engaged in a meantime test, he met a wonderful woman and they were transforming life together. So, it's all a part of the divine plan. So... The meantime is not about wanting to find a relationship. It's about building a better relationship with yourself. It is a process of self-reflection and self-awareness. It is a process within which you must work if you want to see results. The meantime is a, mean, is a means by which we can learn how to recognize all relationships as vehicles of spiritual healing and transformation. It is a love tool divinely designed to tune our spirits to the highest octave of love. When you don't have a job, you have to love yourself. When your sister, your mother, your best friend stops speaking to you, you have to love yourself. Love is active, which means that if if you engage in the process of self-love, you will move from where you are to where you want to be. The meantime is a process that results in moment and change in movement and change, sorry. It is change that brings spiritual enlightenment, that prepares you to spare your life, share your life from a consciousness of balance and harmony. The meantime is what every soul requires in order to remember its divine identity. In order to acknowledge, accept and embrace your true identity, you must be ready. You must be ready to see things from a different perspective. To do things in a different perspective, consciousness to receive things with an open heart and mind readiness is the indication that you have learned something from your past experiences and that you are prepared to apply what you have learned what you have learned and not learned about yourself your strengths your weaknesses your interactions with others will determine the efficiency and severity of your meantime experiences you can find yourself in the meantime in any area of life when you do, the solution you need must be different, but the process for surviving is always the same. So, number one, love yourself no matter what. Never let what is happening or the fear of what can happen rob you of your ability to love yourself. Realize that your meantime is bound to create confusion in your thinking. However, you must also realize that where you are is exactly where you need to be. You are being guided back to love, to self-love. Number two, feel what you feel and acknowledge that you are feeling it. Before you reach out to avoid the pain, reach in and feel it. Feel any hurt, 
pain, confusion or weakness. Feel your vulnerability and acknowledge that you feel vulnerable. Once you feel whatever it is that is going on inside you, let yourself know that it is perfectly okay to feel it. Do not judge yourself. Do not tell yourself you shouldn't feel it. Acknowledge it. Ride it out. Number three, express what you feel verbally or in writing. You will discover that it is absolutely imperative to express your feelings in the meantime. You must tell someone what you feel. If you try to hold it in, it will choke you. When this happens, more likely than not, what you are trying to hold in will spill out in a very inappropriate way at the most inappropriate time. You can save yourself a great deal of stress and possibly some embarrassment simply by choosing how you want to express what you feel. Write it out. Tell a friend. Call dialogue prayer. By all means, never try to ignore what you feel or act as if the feeling does not exist. So number four, get clear about what you want. What do you want to do? How do you want to feel? How can you create the experience for yourself? What is it that you believe it? Sorry, what is that you believe is keeping you from the experience? What are you willing to do to have the most peaceful version of your experience that is possible? Yes, I I know these are more questions, but they are questions you must ask if you want to get out and stay out of the meantime. Number five, do not look for or expect anyone to make your meantime better or less painful. You need to spend some time with yourself and gather up the little pieces that you have given away. If you bring another person into the middle of the process as a means of distraction, you can very well misdiagnose the cause of your ills. Interesting. So, while the circumstances that take each of us to the meantime are unique and individualised, the process leading up to and or being in the meantime is quite universal. You will not know what the problem is. Then you will know what the problem is, but you will know what to do about it. Sorry, but you will not know what to do about it. Then you will know what to do about the problem. But your stuff, your issues will prevent you from doing it. Then you will be forced to look at your stuff and sort through it in an order to reach a solution. Then you will know what to do, but not how to do it. Then you will be called upon by the forces of life to do what you know you can do, must do all the time. In the meantime... There are certain very specific and pointed questions you must ask yourself. What am I responsible to? What am I responding to? Have I told the truth to myself, to everyone who is involved? What is my vision? What am I expecting of myself for myself? What is my intention? Can I love myself no matter what happens? Can I love others no matter what they do? In the meantime, your experiences and lessons are designed to support you in developing and clearly articulating answers to these questions. The reason the process and the questions are so important in the meantime is that they will help you to you to one or more of the following things. You will find your centre yourself and learn to accept it. You will stop making the same mistakes in your relationships. You will learn to recognise your recurring issues through relationship experiences. <coughs> Excuse me. Where did that come from? I'm sorry. You will become equipped to dismantle your fantasies about love and loving. You will find the true value and meaning of love. 
The meantime is not about trying to fix your stuff. Yes, you will spend a great deal of time dismantling it, but fixing it is not the goal. The goal is learning to embrace the love. There is nothing to fix because God accepts everybody exactly as we are. On the third floor, we will learn to do the same. Rather than thinking we must fix our stuff, we can use the meantime to rearrange it. This is done by determining who you choose to be in a relationship to your experience. Let me read that again. This is done by determining who you choose to be in relationship to your experiences. Okay. If you have been a victim, giving your past your power and strength, you can rearrange it. If you have been an enemy fighting, resisting, denying, struggling with your past experiences, you can rearrange them. If you have been a co-conspirator using what has happened to you as a barrier that will not allow new experiences in, you can rearrange how you think about what you have done and where you have been. Become a student of your experiences. Study what they have taught you. Become a teacher of your experiences by sharing what other, with others what you have learned. Become a lover of your experiences by realizing that everything that you are, you are, be, you are because you made it through the past. The more able you are to incorporate what you have learned on the lower levels into what you do, the closer you will move towards being a true expression and example of love. This does not, however, mean you will not have the normal nerve-wracking experiences that every other person human being must face it does not mean that you will float or sprout wings it does not mean you will have whiter teeth or fresher breath even on the third floor you will cry sometimes but now you can cry with an agenda you can cry because you now are much closer to the goal the goal of remembering who you are and why you came here in the first place there will be there will still be those experiences where you want to grab someone by the throat and shake the living daylights out of them. But you won't do that. You will know that you must forgive them and yourself. There will be those times when all you want to do is sit and reflect, feel and ask questions. This will be a very good sign. The more time you spend sitting in the presence of yourself, the greater anticipation you will have for the time you will spend in the attic. So, I've read the whole of that chapter this time. So, the last chapter, I believe, I think it's the last chapter. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, the last chapter is chapter 13. And it starts off with the attic. And it says, put your feet up and relax. So, and to, till tomorrow for the last chapter. <laughs> and just to let you know, if you're interested, I'm either thinking of reading, um, oh, what is it called? Oh, goodness, I'll have to tell you tomorrow so that you can keep up with me. But I've, I haven't got the book to hand. I'm really sorry, people, but it will come to me. Anyway, that's enough for now. I will tell you exactly what the book is tomorrow that we're going to start after this one. Because this is a, to, tomorrow is the last day. OK, so keep up with me, peeps, until next time. And if you're really interested, I do have a Patreon. I know we're getting to the end of this, but my Patreon, I read two books. And the ones I'm reading at the moment is Moonology and this book that I'm just reading to you now. So they're getting it as well. Okay. And if you're into tarot, anything spiritual, hit me up on Patreon at Valerie's Naturals Oracles. The link is in the description of this actual 
um, podcast. So until next time, podcast or whatever you want to call it, audio book. I forget, but it's like a podcast, isn't it? Anyway, take care till next time.